Oh man, uh, week 11 was a disaster. Let's talk about it. It's the portfolio review. We'll go through our DFS lineups on DraftKings. We'll look at all of our underdog play, including Battle Royale drafts, Dog Bowl drafts, and then we'll take a peek at the Best Ball Mania portfolio. Probably the lone bright spot from yesterday. I'm Pete, let's do it. I suffer from a debilitating condition known as atropic chalkitis. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. Let's go. I got auto match with Levitan. This is bullshit. If I just go the other way in that 66, I win all the money. All the money. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Process over results. Hey everyone. Yesterday it was more like if I go the other way in that 8v8. It was I wasn't even within the 6v6. I went all of the money. It was more of an 8v8. How are we doing? Justin is on to Thanksgiving. Sean was feeling the effects of the H Han and Cooper Cup injuries, as was I. We'll talk about it. What is up? Love stars, Rand Dazzler, Roofing Man, Ashton in the chat, historical anomalies, AJ. Ashton with me, worst DFS day I've ever had. Yeah, yes, yesterday was like brutal across every front. And it was funny too, because I was kind of thinking about like the psychology of tilting. And I found that I tilt when like you get multiple things right. And then you're like one piece away or two pieces away. And it is like, oh, if I just went the other way in that 2v2, I went all the money. Like when you can taste it, when it's just there hanging in front of you and you don't get there, that's when it feels so painful. But there was something refreshing yesterday. I got the blade so, so quickly. I had lock button A-chan in my lineups. He re leaves the game early. I had uh, gold star lock Sam Laporta as my favorite play uh, on the GPP slate. He did nothing. And you know what? I just ejected. I went for a walk at like 2 p.m. yesterday. I was like an hour into the games. Calvin Ridley scoring touchdowns. And I was like, this is how you know it's not my day when Calvin Ridley uh, is back from the dead. So uh, I actually had like a, an oddly tilt-free day yesterday just because I got the blade just so quickly. There was no even opportunity for your hopes to get up. You know, normally it's like, oh, all right, you know, we're, we're cooking. We got something going here. Let's see how this third quarter, fourth quarter goes. And it's like, no, Jared Goff interception, another player leaving with an injury. Even Curtis Samuel, who I put in both my lineups, gets 1.5 points and then gets ejected. That's a new one. That is a new one. One of the players you're heavy on gets ejected. Um, but I will say too, it's nice when all of it happens on one slate, right? Like, can you imagine anything worse than having a near perfect lineup and then having a 1.5 from Curtis Samuel because he got in an altercation defending his quarterback, Sam Howell, uh, after a touchdown run, that would have been even brutally more tilting. Um, but let's, uh, sometimes I get too excited and I forget to feed the ducks to pour my coffee. Not today. I have a very uh, clear focus, and uh, I need coffee and ducks, so let's get it going here with some ducks. All right, there's my ducks. Let me get my coffee going here. I know. I like. I guess I didn't. I saw them doing the um, 
the recap of that, uh, AJ and Carolina says ejected for a push. Uh, I I thought that looked pretty weak uh, to me as well there. Uh, Alex says he hosted Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving yesterday, put Red Zone on the porch, quickly realized it could just avoid the porch for the day. Yeah, it was not a day you need to sweat. Uh, Purple Yosh says here, this is my biggest regret. I liked T-Loss stacks all week. And, and after hearing multiple people dismiss it, I let myself be swayed. Yeah, you got to stay on the, uh, on the straight and narrow there. My problem was I actually liked... Uh, the Trevor Lawrence stuff. I didn't get there on DraftKings. I had a ton of Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram in my underdog drafts, uh, but no Calvin Ridley. I did not have enough Calvin Ridley. And I'm kind of mad at myself from a process standpoint. Uh, I'm not mad that I didn't have Calvin Ridley in Battle Royale because Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram were barely getting drafted and they projected uh, better. But I am mad about not having Calvin Ridley in Dog Bowl because that's the exact situation I'm generally trying to exploit where Christian Kirk was going in the last round or second to last round of almost dog, all Dog Bowl drafts and Calvin Ridley would occasionally go undrafted. And that's the dynamic that you want to exploit. I did not exploit it. And I did not win a ticket to uh, Miami. So we are going to uh, do what we normally do around here. We'll go through uh, my DraftKings teams here and uh, and kind of review everything. We'll look at the Deposit Kingdom lineup here. And, uh, and we'll see if there's any takeaways that we can learn. Um, I ended up rolling out three main lineups on DraftKings. Um, I did a slightly stylistic uh, shift, I should say, to my lineups uh, this week. I wanted to roll out some more of the game stacks, and not even game stacks, I should say, but onslaughting and offense, so basically a quarterback and uh, three pass catchers. And I thought this slate set up kind of well for it because there were three passing offenses I really liked. Two of them were trending to have very chalky running backs. And I thought the best way to attack um, for these specific teams was through the air. So I like what that presented me. I'll read my first lineup off here. This was the lineup I also tossed in the Deposit Kingdom tournament. It was a Goff triple stack. So I had Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, and then Jamison Williams. Um, I put Devon Achan in this lineup, Brian Robinson Jr. in this one at running back, along with Curtis Samuel. And then my other one-off flex piece at uh, wide receiver was Brandon Ayuk. And then I played Packers defense. So uh, Jared Goff came in at 5.9%, HN at 14.2%. Brian Robinson was 36%, by far the chalkiest play in this lineup. Amon Ra, 19.5%, Curtis Samuel, 8.2%, uh, JMO, 4.5%, Laporta, 6.1%, Ayuk, 10.2%, Packers, 9.7%. Um, I feel really good about the numbers I got here. I knew Brian Robinson was going to be popular. Um, I knew Amon Ross St. Brown was going to be fairly popular. And we had talked about the HN ownership on the Sunday morning cram. Um, I think, uh, by the way, if you guys aren't familiar on Sundays at 1045 AM for YouTube members, we do a GPP cram and it has been highly instructive for feeling out ownership, feeling out where people are going to go. We do polls with the chat. Uh, who's your favorite quarterback? Who, who's your favorite running back, et cetera. And it's been very valuable to kind of get like a real time pulse check on ownership. But we were talking about HN, right? And we were looking and he was projecting sub 10%, even in ETR small field ownership projections. But the second that Jeff Wilson 
was officially out, you could feel the steam coming. There were multiple tweets, rocket ship emojis, De uh, Devin A. Chan to the moon because of no Jeff Wilson. That frustrated me because Jeff Wilson being out didn't affect the A-chan projection whatsoever. I even pinged Leone and I was like, did you guys adjust his projection at all? And he was like, you know, very minuscule, you know, adjustment to the projection. But the problem is people overreact to that news in the same way people are like, oh, no Brian Robinson here. Uh, or sorry, no Antonio Gibson, now Brian Robinson to the moon, even though the projection actually doesn't change that much. So we knew there was some steam coming on A-chan I basically had said, I think I'd given the line, the barometer being like, if he was over 15%, I start to get a little queasy. If he stays under 15%, I still feel really good about the play. He comes in at 14.2% in this 50K spy. So feel completely fine um, from that, from a process standpoint. Um, and yeah, and so this was kind of a lineup where I wanted to roll out um, a big bet on the Lions. I loved this matchup for their passing game. Uh, and boy, was I wrong here. Jared Goff looked awful, throws three interceptions in this game. Jamison Williams uh, has that one TD, which, you know, if this passing offense would have gotten going and you get a touchdown from your $3,300 punt play wide receiver, like I'm not complaining, but when Laporta um, bagels here, essentially, he did have that two point conversion. It just didn't matter. Um, A-Chan leaves the game early, 1.5 points. I think he made it three snaps, one carry before re-injuring the same knee that kept him out the past month. We talked about the Curtis Samuel ejection. I get 1.5 points there. Um, I did leave Iuk in my lineup in the late slate. Um, one, because there weren't too many other places to pivot, and I didn't think he was going to be overwhelmingly popular anyways. He obviously has a massive game, 29.6 points. Um, as you'll see from my other lineups here, I, I was wrestling with doing a Brock Purdy CMC Ayuk stack, ended up wanting to go with Jared Goff, Howell, and Jordan Love as my main quarterbacks, and then I just sprinkled in Niners throughout the lineups. Um, obviously, going with Purdy would have been better. And then Packers defense, I mentioned them as kind of my favorite pump play defense. Um, I was, you know, directionally accurate that I really liked this spot for Green Bay. They ended up winning this game, gave the Chargers some fits here. Um, but still only get five points. You don't get that defensive turnover or touchdown, and it's going to be hard for the defense to get there. So this was my main team, um, a complete whiff um, here, just completely wrong about Laporta. I thought this was an awesome spot for him. I thought when you adjusted for ownership, um, you know, being 6% on a slate where McBride and Ingram and uh, Schultz were going to be so popular that this was a chance for Laporta to really separate from those guys. You know, if Laporta puts up 20 plus and those guys are all in the 10 to 15 range, you're really cooking. Uh, that thesis did not pan out here. Let's see what took down this 200K spy. Um, this is tilting because I do have a Jordan Love team we'll look at in a second, but a Jordan Love to Jaden Reed skinny stack here. Pretty wild lineup when you consider there's no bring back here on the Chargers. Just a skinny stack with Jordan Love. Play the chalk running backs, Brian Robinson and Devin Singletary. You play the chalk Tyreek Hill. You play the chalk DJ Moore. You play the chalk Trey McBride. You play the chalk Tank Dell. And then you pay up for Cowboys defense. So um, if you're not realizing it yet, yesterday was a day the chalk absolutely smashed. Uh, Brian Robinson, Devin Singletary get there. Tyreek, Tank Dell. Even Trey McBride, man, Trey McBride, 50% in this contest. That is wild. That is wild. 
uh, 50% there for Trey McBride. And you know what? I will say, I'll give this user some credit. You know, they were very, very chalky. And then they ran out one contrarian stack, Jordan Love to Jaden Reed. Um, and, and that took it down. So uh, congratulations here to Pizark for taking it down. Let's, I know we all like joke about this takeaway, but let's make sure that this isn't the actual uh, takeaway. You know, normally most of the weeks we've seen this year, there have been, it's, it's more of mix and match. I would say what? 90% of the slates this week, it's been, hey, there are, you know, some good chalk pieces. Generally, they're running backs, right? Generally, the good chalk this year has been running backs or the super high-end wide receivers. You know, Tyree Kill, Amon Ra, those guys were in good spots. Um, but then you need to pull some uniqueness levers. Um, you can just roll out chalk lineups every week. I promise you, you will not be a winning tournament player if you do that. Uh, so as long as we're clear that that is not the, uh, the long-term takeaway here to just play chalk. Um, let's look at my Jordan Love lineup. So I actually put the Jordan Love lineup that I had in the Big Spy. Um, this is the uh, 100K to first and 4,444 entries. I knew that this lineup was going to be by far my most contrarian. Um, so I did put this one in the bigger contest. This was a Jordan Love triple stack. I faded Aaron Jones in this one. I knew he was going to be popular. I played Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Luke Musgrave. You get Jordan Love at 3.2%, Watson at 7.8%, Jaden Reed at 9.5%, and Luke Musgrave at 36 Knew those guys would be sneaky. I put in uh, Christian McCaffrey and Devon Achan in this one. Debo Samuel uh, I left in here, and then Puka Nakua in my flex with the Rams defense. Um, you know, this is another one where it's like, all right, the, the Jordan Love stuff kind of hit, you know, love to read, but Watson only 10 points, Luke Musgrave six points, just not enough points from this block um, to do any damage there. Um, McCaffrey does his thing at 10.7%. Feel good about that. Of course, we have the HN Snowflake. Um, this lineup, I did go with Debo instead of Ayuk. So at 9.2, that's not getting there. Puka was fine. You know, feel good about Puka at 3.8%. Um, I like the spot for both him and Cooper Cup, but this one, uh, I ended up wanting to go more balanced here across the mid-range and being able to get in both Samuel, CMC, and Puka. I played Rams defense, my other kind of favorite punt defense there under 2,800. They come in at 2.8%. I like this spot for the Rams. Um, they do get the win here as well. Um, but my, my two big stands of I love this spot for the Rams and I love this spot for the Packers uh, ended up being correct from a, a money line standpoint, but not from a DFS standpoint. There were not a lot of fantasy points to go around. This lineup only scores uh, 115 points, which puts me in the bottom percentile of this contest. Um, yeah. And even if like Achan goes off, you know, this lineup is still just not getting there when this block hits. But I really wanted to take advantage of, you know, when you add up the salary for Watson, Reed, and Musgrave, you know, 8,600 there. What am I trying to do math? Like 12.2K for these three pass catchers that I all thought had pretty big upside here. Jordan Love does get to 322 uh, passing yards. Uh, two passing TDs. So feel good about getting that kind of production at 5,600 and 3.2%. Um, but yeah, just not going to get there unless that game goes fully nuclear, which it didn't.
Yeah, I saw this one too. GA saying love Miss Musgrave on a 70-yard TD. It did seem like they were just moving the ball really easily there. Uh, of course, Romeo Dobbs, the one guy I don't have in here, although he was pretty pricey. Um, I had a hard time getting to him in lineups. He gets one of the touchdowns. Uh, it is what it is. And yeah, I didn't want to do the bring back here for a few purposes. One, you know, when I'm looking at the Sims, um, you do not see bringbacks popping up at near the frequency that you would expect. And I actually had a conversation too with Justin Freeman um, about a month or so ago on DFS After Dark, which again, that is a show that if you're a YouTube member, I do two premium shows a week. Um, and the DFS Cram, we, you know, I, I interview people about DFS, about content, about life. This past uh, Saturday, we had Kyle Dvorak on from Roto World, had a very fun conversation with him. Um, so yeah, become a YouTube member, you'll get access to those premium shows. But I was talking with Justin Freeman, and he said something that really crystallized the concept of bringbacks for me. And it's that bringbacks are underutilized in the super large field stuff. So let's just say the Millie Maker. Because if you think about it, to take down those tournaments, you do need the uber, uber smash outcome of that game going berserk. Like the quintessential example is that uh, Uticao Houston Texans stack, right? Where he rolled out the Houston Texans triple stack and he brought it back with Rashad White. Like in that game environment, you need everything going crazy. But in these tournament sizes, like even this one that are only 4,444 entries, you don't need to be right about both of those things. It's a lot easier to just be right about one thing which is the Packers passing offense rolls. And then you don't have to worry about it. Now, obviously yesterday, Keenan Allen gets there. Um, Austin Eckler doesn't. Um, but I didn't like having to force a bring back at those prices when I specifically just wanted to bet on Jordan Love in the passing offense get there. So that's something that I've been focusing on more with my lineups. If stuff naturally fits, you know, I'm not opposed to it. And I think specifically, I want to be very price sensitive with the bringbacks. You know, if I didn't like Musgrave, say it was like a Seattle situation where I don't want to play Noah Fant at tight end, maybe in that spot, I do bring it back with a Donald Parham because you're correlating the game environment and using that essentially as a tiebreaker when you don't have a tight end you would like to toss onto the stack. I think another good example of that could have been yesterday with the 49ers, right, where George Kittle was very expensive on DraftKings, almost prohibitively so. I, it was very hard to get to George Kittle. So maybe you're rolling out a Purdy, CMC, Ayuk, you know, Debo thing, and you want to toss Kate Otten in at tight end as a cheap correlated piece. Like those are the spots I'm now more willing to consider the bringbacks, but just blindly paying up for the premium bringback. Um, when you look at the Sims and you look at how these things actually shake out in these size tournaments, um, it is not showing out as a positive ROI thing to be jamming in expensive bringbacks. Um, let's look at my third lineup. This was one that I rolled out in the smallest of the spy contest. This was the, the 75K spy, only 15K to first, um, but an 833 entry tournament. Um, this one, I did roll out another big game stack this time here, or sorry, uh, single offense stack with the commanders. This was another one where I knew Brian Robinson was going to be chalky. I thought this set up just as nicely for the passing game. So I did a Sam Howell, uh, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, and uh, Terry McLaurin. So basically all three pass catchers other than Jahan Dotson 
in this lineup. I ran the same two running backs I did in the other, you know, trying to keep a pretty tight core of plays there. Christian McCaffrey, Devon Achan. I did Robert Woods um, here at 3,700. I thought he was, you know, a good sub 4K play that wasn't going to be too popular here. And then Puka Nakua at, uh, I think I actually ended up pivoting in here. I forget who I had in here. I did a little swap. I think I had Cooper Cup in a cheap defense. That's what I had. I had uh, Cooper Cup in a cheap defense. I knew Cup was going to be popular. This lineup was way behind early. So I did swap this to Puka in Niners defense, which from a percentage standpoint, I feel good about that. Puka comes in at 4.9, 49ers D at 3%. But I did not start with 49ers defense in this lineup. Um, feel good about these percentages. You know, Sam Howell, 6%. McLaurin, 119 Curtis Samuel, 7.7. Logan Thomas, 2.8%. But God, this thing had so many snowflakes. We get the A-chan. McLaurin doesn't clear 10 points. Curtis Samuel gets ejected. Logan Thomas uh, has that fumble early on. Um, I think that fumble was about when I ejected for the walk. I mean, Curtis Samuel got ejected. Logan Thomas is fumbling. And I said, it is just not my day. This lineup scores 101 points. We finish in 765th out of 833 entries. Um, but overall felt good about these lineups. Um, you do see in the smaller contest, Devon Achan comes in at 18.9%. So if we go through these, you know, if we go in the size of these tournaments, the smaller one, 18.9%, we go up a level. He was at, let's see, 14.2%. Uh, and then we go, I guess this one actually was a little bit lower, but the smaller the tournament got, um, then HN started to catch more, more ownership. So at 18.9% here, he's starting to get into a little bit dicier range, I think as, as a play. Um, but overall I knew this lineup was going to be so, um, unique and contrarian that, uh, I didn't mind it at all. Hmm. Expendable says the show is such a great therapy session after a rough weekend. I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, we are, we are here to, uh, to pick up the pieces together. Mm. Chris, DFS talk uh, after this week is pretty downbeat. Let's see that BBM magic. We will get there, Chris. Let, let me pace the show. We are, we're 22 minutes in. We're going to do some wrap up with some DraftKings. We're going to look at the Deposit Kingdom contest. Then we'll look at some of my underdog contests from week 11. And then, yes, we will look at some BBM stuff. Uh, Robert says, uh, the Howl stack felt so good playing with all the B-Rob steam. Yeah, I really liked how that set up for both the Jordan Love stack and the Sam Howell stack, where you have Aaron Jones, who I could tell was going to be popular. I knew Austin Eckler in that game was getting a ton of steam, Brian Robinson. And so playing it through the passing game and then getting in two other running backs in CMC and A-Chan, who I thought could really separate at the position. So you can certainly see scenarios where... HN doesn't get hurt, and those two, you know, are the two highest scoring running backs on the slate. B Rob and Aaron Jones stay middling, the passing games hit, and all of a sudden you're pulling those levers or kind of compounding your leverage plays there to vault your lineups to the top. That was the story I told myself. It was not the story that played out. Um, let's check out the Deposit Kingdom weekly league. Um, we do this uh, contest every single week. We've been uh, locked in at 420 entries here. And uh, I will be, as always, posting the links to these in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. So if you're not in the Discord, that's the only place 
that you can get into this contest. I post it in the announcements section. And I might see if I can get us a Thanksgiving uh, contest as well, a rake-free Turkey Day contest. So keep an eye out for two contests this week. Join the Deposit Kingdom Discord. Keep an eye out on the announcements section. I normally post these on Tuesdays, and then I will always, except that one time, review the winning lineups on this show here. Shout out to Raikou1987. Coincidentally, the year I was born. Uh, Raikou, I I wonder if you and and me, both born in the same year here, uh, you had a far better day than I did because you rolled out a Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk skinny stack. And then you played Tony Pollard. We should talk a little bit about Tony Pollard, by the way. First time having his name mentioned today. Brian Robinson, Puka Nakua, Tank Dell, Jane Reed, Trey McBride, and then Dolphins defense. I think this is a a very solid lineup. Um, You know, the kind of the two ways I think you can play these smaller contests is you can onslaught an offense, right? Where you're just saying, hey, I identify the one offense, the one team that goes berserk and I'm eliminating the number of things I have to get right. Or you can eat a lot of chalk, right? You just play the best plays. So that's essentially what Raikou did here. Pulled a couple uniqueness levers. You know, Puka instead of Cooper Cup was a nice lever to pull. Jaden Reed was uh, a little bit of a hidden gem here at 4,000. But otherwise, you're playing Trey McBride comes in at 47.6%. You're correlating him with Tank Dell at 37%. You're playing Brian Robinson at 37.4%. Tony Pollard at 20.7%. And so you have just a little bit of light correlation here. Purdy to Ayuk, a McBride-Dell mini correlation. And otherwise... You're jamming in the best plays. So this is a what I would probably call like a finessed cash game lineup. Um, I think every play here um, was in position for cash other than what? Jaden Reed um, and Puka were probably the two that weren't in the cash consideration. I guess Ayuk as well. But, you know, Reed is a pivot off of Rondell Moore, who is going to be the overwhelmingly popular chalk sub 4K. And... Uh, and other than that, you're just getting off of, you know, most people in cash, I believe, went up to Tyree Kill uh, or Cooper Cup. And you just go down to Puka Nakua there and uh, and ship this tournament with 188.52 points. Congratulations there to Raikou. Uh, CLN, uh, shout out CLN, finishes second, although he tried to victory lap a victory in the Discord before the results had settled, before the fat lady sung. So CLN... Uh, Got to give you your flowers. Finish second here. But a reminder, you can't take that victory lap until all of the PMR is gone. CNA, CLN uh, does a Kyler Murray to Trey McBride stack, brings it back with Tank Dell, plays the chalk running backs, uh, Brian Robinson, Devin Singletary, plays some one-off uh, wide receivers here, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. Those guys both hit. Um, or sorry, I shouldn't say a one-off. DJ Moore correlated with Amon Ra St. Brown there, and then Jets defense at 2,600. Um, nice lineup here, kind of playing into the popular game environment, but then getting Calvin Ridley, this is the big one-off piece that was just a smash. You get Calvin Ridley at 5.5%. He goes for 34 points. Um, apologies to anyone on the cram who got talked off of Calvin Ridley. For me, I did my usual thing of, hey, I'm looking at these prices, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk are not separated by much ownership. They're not separated by much in price. And yet 
Christian Kirk's underlying usage has been far, far better uh, this year. So in those situations, I'm just always going to side with the better player. Um, but uh, yesterday, Calvin Ridley, because he had his friend, Zay Jones, back in the lineup, uh, was able to go off. The, uh, the splits for... Uh, Calvin Ridley with and without Zay Jones are just incredible. Let me see if I can pull up this tweet. I think uh, I saw um, uh, Field Yates had a tweet about it this morning. Yeah, here, I'll pull this up on screen real quick. Calvin Ridley in three games with Zay Jones this year. Eight catches, 101 yards, one TD, 24 fantasy points. Seven catches, 122 yards, 20.6 fantasy points. Seven catches, 102 yards, two TDs, 31.1 fantasy points. Zay Jones is the skeleton key to uh, to Calvin Ridley's success. Who would have thought that? When we were all watching the highlight videos of Calvin Ridley this summer, him gliding on the practice field in his shorts, running crisp routes as we sent him into the second round of drafts. What we really knew is we were watching a guy that was entirely dependent on Zay Jones for succeeding. Who would have thought? Uh, congratulations, though, uh, to the Calvin Ridley Slappies for getting there in week 11. I tip my cap to you guys. Um, let's see here. Jay Rake finishes in third with a Brock Purdy team here. Um, yeah, we didn't mention the Tony Pollard stuff. Uh, it's funny because I think we were on off and on the clock on Friday. That's the show I do with the badge bros where we run through the underdog slate. And I said to Nez, cause Nez was trying to get us in on Tony Pollard. And I was like, this is what's going to happen. Tony Pollard's going to have 60 yards and score a touchdown. And we're going to be in the exact same spot as we were before with the Tony Pollard discourse. That's essentially exactly what happens. But the difference here, he does have 61 rush yards, one TD, but he actually got used in the receiving game a little bit, which is a big shift. And those four receptions for 19 yards, like that's the difference in him like getting there as, you know, chalk at 6,600, like he's not killing your lineup versus actually hurting your lineup if he just has 61 yards a touchdown and isn't getting those extra six points from the receiving angle. So it was good to see Tony Pollard actually used a little bit. There were quotes even from, you know, uh, I think it was CeeDee Lamb and the team said, hey, we're going to get this guy going. Um, it did seem like they made a bit of a concerted effort to do so. Um, however, uh, Rico Dowdle still involved getting touches and this offense just flowing so much through the, uh, the passing game that it is still going to be very hard. I think for Pollard to access a true ceiling here. I mean, the, the other thing too, is like, you see that touchdown pass to CD lamb and it's like, they are just not getting in the red zone and saying, Hey, we are going to stubbornly, you know, run the ball up the gut four times with Tony Pollard. Um, they're going to take advantage of those mismatches with CD lamb and Jake Ferguson, but, uh, shout out to, uh, to Jay Rake here for taking this up, uh, dark sheep, uh, 87 babies unite. Let's go sheep. Uh, Turk came in 13th, 13th here. Uh, Ooh, did you guys dupe? 13th is duped here. Uh, is that the exact same lineup? Oh, no, it's not. Just the same score. Man, uh, 175.22. Sorry, D-Turk. I don't know which one you are, Don F or Big Poppy, but congratulations on coming in uh, 13th. Hmm. Yeah, what did A-Chan come in here? <laughs> yeah, I love that. This is always one of my favorite things about reviewing the deposit kingdom is looking at the various ownership discrepancies. So HN comes in 29% here, double uh, what he was elsewhere. Sam Laporta 
comes in uh, almost double what he was elsewhere. He was, what, 6%? In my spy contest, he comes in 11.4% here. Um, yeah, Don says, Tony Pollard, so much of a silent killer. We're amped. He hit uh, a second-round pick's median outcome. I mean, that is that is the, uh, the truth there. From a DFS standpoint, it's less of a silent killer, you know, like on a lower-scoring slate. Like, if you're getting those 18 points like lord knows i would have taken 18 points from devon achan yesterday at 6600 um so you can you can build winning lineups cashing lineups around that um but yes from like a season long standpoint i mean tony pollard uh it's been a, a pretty bad uh disaster it actually makes me wonder we can look here too to kind of see what his win rates have been this year for best ball um let's transition over to looking at underdog contests um i got completely dusted yesterday in uh underdog stuff ended up getting in 75 battle royale entries that contest filled early on sunday morning uh i wanted to get to 75 to unlock my uh my 50% rake back uh, as part of the Gladiator program. And I was scrambling to get to 75, like legit got in my 75th one as the contest was filling. So hopefully we can get that contest a little bigger. Ended up getting 30 entries into the Dog Bowl. Uh, the Miami Live Qualifier underdog, of course, still running that promotion where you get money back on uh, how many entries. If you do more than 10, any that finish in the top 2,000, you get your money back. And I actually haven't even looked yet to see how many I got back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. So 10 out of 30 uh, this week. I think it was last week I got 14 out of 30. So slightly below expectation here this week uh, with only one third of mine finishing. Um, shout out to Dave. Uh, I recognize Dave from the Twitter streets. I know he does some work uh, with ETR. He punched a ticket here, uh, Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley stack, and then hitting uh, some one-offs elsewhere. You get Brandon Ayuk, you get Keenan Allen, you get David Montgomery, and then Dalton Kincaid. But just those massive games here, specifically the Lawrence-Ridley stack. And that was, you know, Lawrence was readily available in the sixth round of these drafts all week, as was Calvin Ridley. So you get that stack. It's not even selected in 100% of contests. Ends up being a huge win. Um, you start your draft with Keenan Allen and Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, Keenan Allen at pick 10, Brandon Ayuk here at pick 15. Like when, if you were drafting these contests this week, you definitely felt the squeeze at wide receiver. It got really gross at wide receiver quickly. It was basically after Puka and Debo came off the board in the third round. It was a desolate wasteland. So I think starting out your team with two high-end wide receivers was GTO. And it's nice to see that play out there. You grab David Montgomery in the third, Calvin Ridley in the, or sorry, Dalton Kincaid in the fourth. And then you get that stack um, at the very end. So very simple, uh, logical lineup here from Dave. Congratulations. And uh, poor Ryan Hodge, man, just narrowly misses it. Um, exactly one point off here. And this is how brutal these top-heavy qualifier sweats are, right? You know, if this is Battle Royale, you know, Dave's winning 10000 and Ryan Hodge is winning 5000 or 6000 Instead, you drop all the way down here to just $75 um, because of how this top-heavy structure works. He also had the Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley stack. 
had Brees Hall, Amon Ra, Devontae Adams, George Kittle. So, you know, had less of a dud in his lineup because Dave had the Dalton Kincaid sub 10 points. But because he didn't have that second wide receiver who went for over 20, um, was not able to get there. So Hodge comes up narrowly uh, short. Um, I think you're right, Brian. Brian says, was this the team Hodge drafted on the cram? Now that you say that, yeah, we did a, a dog bowl team. And I want to say Hodge tweeted this one out too. It was kind of a call your shot. I'm pretty sure he posted this one uh, on Twitter immediately following. I do think you're right, Brian, that that was drafted on the cram. Um, we got, uh, let's see, uh, LeBron James, a.k.a. JDWW uh, DJs. Uh, we shall see you in Miami. Didn't know about the contest. Uh, oh, you're his plus one. I got you. I got you. He didn't know about the contest until I notified him last week. True phone shitter type guy. Shout out to uh, your buddy here, LeBron James. He got there with a very Liam-esque Josh Allen to Dalton Kincaid. Uh, stack there, Devin Singletary, Saquon Barkley, Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley. Um you know, I was talking about how there wasn't, you know, nothing like crazy in these lineups that are taking it down. Like these are very logical, uh, correlated lineups. The one piece we should talk about is Barkley, who was incredibly cheap in these drafts all week long. Um, there was a lot of these like formerly kingpin type running backs who were free. I took Derrick Henry with the last pick of one of these drafts this week, but Barkley going at pick 49. Um, this is something sacrilegious has talked about on stat chasing. He always gives out some early dog bowl alpha there on Tuesday nights. If you guys aren't subscribed to ship chasing him and Drico basically do a usage trend show with a look forward to the following week. And one thing sacrilegious has talked about is how a lot of these running backs who project for decent volume, but are in bad matchups are often discounted too heavily in these early drafts. And that was certainly the case for Barkley. It's like, it's Tommy DeVito. None of us want to deal with this shit. Um, and yet when you're getting his kind of volume and then all you do is you get a little bit of touchdown regression. He scores two receiving TDs here. In addition to, you can look at this box score here. It's like the exact same usage. Three weeks ago against Las Vegas, 16 rush attempts, three catches. Yesterday, 14 rush attempts, four catches. Same usage. You run a little bit hotter on touchdowns. Boom. You're punching a ticket to Miami for a phone shitter, bro, there. So note to self, when you're doing these early drafts, hunt out that running back volume late in drafts. Sometimes it doesn't hit. You know, Rashad White was another guy who was extremely cheap in drafts this week going against a tough 49ers defense. But when you hang your hat on volume and then you run a little pure on touchdowns, good things can happen. Um, let's talk about Battle Royale here. Corey says he finished in 26th in Battle Royale with Brees. The second half bagel was excruciating. Uh, yeah, uh, this was a tough slate for me. Like I said, I was uh, I was on uh, heavy on Aaron Jones here. Uh, that was bad. I had a ton of Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram with a decent amount of Lawrence as well, but obviously you needed Ridley with those guys. I had a bunch of Puka was another one of my big stands in here. And then of course I was all over Jared Goff, Laporta, stuff like that. I want to give a shout out to our guy, Paul here. I was inverted. He finishes in fourth. I thought this was a super, super sharp lineup and I want to specifically highlight it juxtaposed to first place because sometimes you look at these lineups and then it's like, man, I don't know how I ever draft that team. I don't know how my process ever gets me on that. It feels like a ton of one-off clicks and you're just trying to mash them all together and pray. But you look at this lineup from Paul 
It's six players, but he essentially made three bets. He tried to get three things right. Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley. That's one thing. You play Jameer Gibbs in a Monroe St. Brown, a running back wide receiver. You're saying, hey, the Lions are going to score points here. I'm going to capture it through these two. And then Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. Even though you're not stacking it up, you can only have one quarterback in these lineups. You're still getting the secondary benefits of a stack without the quarterback. So three things right here, Lawrence to Ridley, Ayuk and Kittle, Amon Ron Gibbs, good for 138.98 points. And then you juxtapose that looking at first, also has the Lawrence and Ridley uh, and Kittle, but then you have to hit off the one-off Tyreek, the one-off Barkley, the one-off Gibbs. This is much more of the, you know, mash up a bunch of ideas, hope they hit kind of thing. This is really hard to replicate, I think, from a process standpoint. But if you're, you know, thinking about battle royales, to me, this is the lineup you look at and you say, hey, I can do that. I understand how these correlation principles worked in Paul's favor. And it does make it very hard to get that you know, upper 0.001% outcome when you are correlating like this, but you are going to have such better, I think, long-term success and profitability in this contest if you focus on the correlation principles that Paul did here. So shout out to Paul and uh, Corey. Let's check out your lineup as well here. What are you? Yeah, Cormer here. Uh, Brock Purdy to George Kittle. Also have Tyreek Hill and Tank Dell there. Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall. Um, so you had the Brock to Kittle. You play, uh, and then you have these one-off guys here, Gibbs, Brees, Tyreek, and Tank. Um, yeah, such a bummer there for Brees not to get there. I thought Brees was a very good pick in contests this week because he was not getting drafted in 100% of contests. He was definitely a scroll the F down play there. The rest of these guys uh, were fairly popular. Brock was the other guy who wasn't getting drafted in the majority of contests. So this was a nice scroll the F down lineup here from Corey getting that Brock and Kittle stack. I thought Kittle, I had a hard time getting to Kittle this week um, on both DraftKings and Underdog. I was so heavy on Laporta, and uh, Kittle was also very expensive on DraftKings that I wasn't getting there. I was pretty heavy on Ayuk. I can actually show you guys my exposures for this slate. Um, so this was across all of my uh, Battle Royale, Dog Bowl, Laporta I was at. Uh, 33%, Aaron Jones, 32%, Ayuk, 31% was good, Puka, 25%, Cup, and Devon Achan in my top six. That certainly contributed to a poor day. Amon Ra, Goff, CMC, Diggs, ETN, Ingram, Tyreek Hill. So my big stands uh, did not hit yesterday with Laporta, Jones, Achan, Cup. And when that happens, it's going to be a rough day. Although I think I saw Paul, too, say on Twitter that uh, a lot of his major stands didn't hit yesterday either. Uh, but you just get that one lineup that hits and you can have a really nice day there. Um, so yeah, it was a, a rough day for me uh, in the streets. I did get 10 entries into the Badge Bros Brawl, which was a rake-free contest. This was a fun one as well because they're three-person drafts where 18 players get drafted. And you know the one thing that... You know, if you're playing these contests to always be thinking about, right, is like, okay, in this Badge Bros Brawl, uh, 18 players are drafted in every contest and only three quarterbacks and three tight ends. Then you go to Battle Royale, right? You have 36 players drafted, six quarterbacks, six tight ends. Then you go to Dog Bowl, you have 72 players drafted, 12 quarterbacks, 12 tight ends. And so when you're looking at those scroll down principles, you can see that 
the how you could allocate your exposure across those tournaments. So like for an example would be who was like the quarterback, you know, four or five yesterday, maybe like a guy like CJ Stroud, right? He is getting drafted in 100% of dog bowls, 100% of battle royales, but he's probably only getting drafted in 40, 50% of the badge bros brawl. So like if you were trying to think about your exposure across different contest types, I would want to allocate my CJ Stroud heavy exposure to the badge bros brawl because you're getting an ownership discount and you can kind of go down the road with those kind of players. So like another one would be, all right, say Dalton Kincaid, right? Dalton Kincaid's getting drafted in 100% of dog bowls. Maybe you think he's kind of a fragile tight end selection where he's going and you'd rather scroll down to the Logan Thomases and Donald Parham. Well, in Battle Royale, he's not getting drafted uh, that often. He's probably getting drafted in 35% because he's after the tight end six threshold. Um, and so then you could think, all right, I want to get my Dalton Kincaid exposure in Battle Royale where he's just barely not being drafted. And so I think that's what's super fun now about all of these underdog contests that we're getting different size contests and you can actually get your exposure in different spots in the same way how on DraftKings, it's like, I'm going to put my Jordan Love lineup in the biggest contest because I think that more over leveraged contrarian stance makes more sense in a larger contest. And then I'm going to eat more chalk in smaller contests. So I do think that is like the number one thing to be thinking about um, when you're doing these contests is the contest size. Where is the leverage? How often are specific players getting drafted in an 18 person, a 36 person or a 72 person contest? Brian uh, mentioning uh, something I definitely wanted to get to as well. Are we maxing the turkey this week? Gotta love that rake-free contest. Yeah, I did uh, a single one of these uh, last night because I just wanted to hop in. But yes, the turkey this week, it's a sweet, sweet contest here. Um, $5 entry, 45,000 entrants, and completely rake-free here. It's only 8.8% filled. We got 20,000 to first. Um, and this is going to be the exact kind of stuff I was just talking about, right? There's four people in these, six draft rounds, 24 players drafted. And with there being six different quarterbacks in this contest, it means two of the quarterbacks are most often not being drafted in this contest. So think about those principles as you start drafting these. Um, Brian, I do not know if I will uh, be able to uh, to max this here, 150 entries, but I would like to get uh, 30, 40. Maybe I can get in 50 entries here. Definitely check out the turkey here uh, on Underdog. And again, shout out to Underdog and, and Numi and Hope and the games team. They got a ton of contests up this week. Obviously, you got all the hoop stuff here, but then you got the turkey, the tiny turkey, the cranberry sauce, the stuffing. And then we also got the uh, the main slate stuff as well. So all kinds of good stuff cooking over there. Let's uh, now move on and look at my Best Ball Mania 4 portfolio. Um, it was a, a pretty good week for me across Best Ball Mania. Uh, I now have four teams in the top, or sorry, five teams in the top 10,000. Um, for most of the year, I was only at um, one or two uh, in here. So we have a team in 2,754th, one in, or two within, or three within the 6,000 range, and another one in 7,000th place. All of these kind of tightly clustered, 1,400 uh, points to 1,453. And we can kind of head over to our guy, uh, Diablo, aka Patrick Donovan's BBM4 leaderboard here to look at some of these teams. Um, a couple of them you guys are familiar with because we have um, 
looked at these on the show before. Um, I'm currently advancing 29 out of 150 teams. I think last week when we looked, I was at 30, maybe I was at 31. So just under a 20% advance rate. Uh, I continue to be like very happy with these results. Um, I basically, I think I had wrote it up in my newsletter of if I could just advance around expectation and have a couple teams in the top 10K, I was going to be pretty happy with this exercise considering I drafted these all on stream. So to be uh, advancing over expectation and having five teams in the top 10K, feel very good about that. Um, I think this is a team we have not, or no, we have looked at this team before. This was the team I drafted on the club. I think it was my sixth draft um, out of a 150. So this was early on. It was the Tua and Dak team. It has TJ Hawkinson. We see Jaden Reed scores for it yesterday. This also has the Tampa Bay Bucks pass catchers without the extra quarterback. You got the, uh, the Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and then, you know, the kind of mixed bag at running back. I wouldn't normally look at this team and be like, oh yeah, this is going to be my best team. Pollard, Jacob, P. Ryan, Moster, Bigsby, and Chuba here. Um, just guys that are keeping you afloat. You know, these guys kind of ping-ponging usable weeks, but nothing crazy there other than a few of those Raheem Moster spike weeks. I think one of these teams is new. This is the, the team in second, or my second best team is the team from the Swolecast with the four tight end challenge. Dalton Schultz, Taysom Hill, Trey McBride, Kate Otten. We've looked at that one. Um, this third team is a new one though. I want to say this was one that I drafted on Splash Play. Um, if I head back to my main thing where I have all of these labeled, let me see if I can find exactly where this team was drafted. Um, it's hard to, uh, to find it on here when I can't see the, uh, the total scores like I can on the app. Um, but I'll, I'll figure out where this one was drafted, but this is the new one that we haven't looked at on screen here. And it's a pretty fun team. So it's three quarterbacks, Dak, Kirk, and Jordan Love. So obviously we lose, we lose Kirk Cousins, but I do think this team can certainly survive with a Dak Prescott, Jordan Love combo. It has Derrick Henry, Rashad White, Jalen Warren, Roshan Johnson, Kenneth Gainwell, and Leonard Fournette. The wide receivers, AJ Brown, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, Jordan Addison, Brandon Cooks, Rondell Moore, and Tank Dell. So Tank Dell being the hidden gem there. And I, I guarantee you this Tank Dell share was uh, was correlation here with Derrick Henry uh, for that Week 17 matchup. And then two really nice tight end packs, uh, picks here, TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta. So I think this team certainly has some legs here. You know, having AJ Brown, having Tank Dell, two solid tight ends, the Dak-Jordan Love combo, and then also Jalen Warren coming on now. Um, two straight games over a hundred yards has just been massively efficient, ripping off big plays, had more yards than the rest of the Steelers offense combined yesterday. So hopefully we get a full unleashing of Jalen Warren down the stretch. I want to see how many teams I have with him. Yeah, I have 21 teams with Jalen Warren right now, six of 21 of those are advancing. So just under 30%, but then you can see here, uh, the number of teams that are just out of advancing, you know, a couple third place teams, fourth place, fifth, sixth, fifth, fifth. So maybe we could get some of these bubbling up, mainly these ones that have like 40 points back, 42 points back. One here is only seven points back. So I would love to get some Jalen Warren teams cruising. And then what's my final team in the top 10K? This is also a new one. 
I don't believe we have looked at this one on stream and I'll, ha I'll have to figure out where these ones were drafted when I get a second. But this is a Josh Allen, Sam Howell team. Talk about a YOLO QB room right there with Josh Allen, Sam Howell. Um, a bit of a bummer in that this has Kenneth Walker, who um, sounds like is probably going to miss this week with this groin or this oblique injury again. Who knows how long he'll be out. This is another kind of unassuming running back room. Ramondre, Kenneth Walker, Damian Harris, Eli Mitchell, Raheem Mostert. Um, pretty loaded at wide receiver, though. Diggs, Keenan, uh, Burks, Dotson, Sutton, Marvin Mims, Khalil Shakur, Michael Hardman, Tank Dell. So a lot of whiffs there. Um, but then some hits, you know, Tank Dell hitting Khalil Shakur really coming on. Sutton's been consistent. And then Diggs and Keenan have been rock solid at the top. And then two tight ends late, David Njoku and Dalton Kincaid. So this one is more of like a, a mixed bag here, but you can certainly see how this one is coming on uh, hot here. I think this is a good comment here from Nick. The uh, He mentions the Warren and the Zach Charbonnet hammers down the stretch would be massive. Yeah, let me see how much Charbonnet I have. Um, yeah, I have 19 shares of Charbonnet. Uh, only two of those teams are advancing, which, which makes sense, right? Like there was a few of those running backs that I was selecting in that range a ton. It was Zach Charbonnet. It was uh, Devon A-Chain. It was Rashad Penny. It was Jalen Warren. There was some Tank Bigsby in there. And you see how polarized some of those selections are, like absolute zeros from guys like Rashad Penny and even Zach Charbonnet up to this point. But it feels like this happens every single year where there's the shift in the Seattle backfield where, you know, it was first it was Chris Carson getting hurt and then Rashad Penny takes off. Then it's Rashad Penny getting hurt. Kenneth Walker takes off. And here we are again, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker hurt and it looks like Zach Charbonnet is poised for, you know, a, a huge finish here if he continues to get some starts as the bell cow back. Um, so yeah, if you're heavy on Charbonnet, you're just praying that you're able to get some of these teams in the mix. I just pulled up my top Charbonnet team here. Um, interesting to see it also has Jalen Warren on it. So there you go, Nick. Let's get this Sharbs and Jalen Warren combo cooking. Also has Justin Jefferson on this team. So that would definitely be hard. And uh, I must have drafted this team early because it has fucking Tyquan Thornton on it. Uh you're actually probably right. Tra pro probably drafted with Liam. So many bills. Let me actually go look. I bet you're right. I bet you're right. Here's my Liam team. Uh, no, so this is the team I drafted with Liam. And it's actually a Miami-Detroit team. It is advancing, though. It's a Tua, Goff, Ken Walker, Brian Robinson, Jalen Warren, Gainwell, Tajay Spears, Kendry Miller, Sean Tucker, Jamar Chase. Oof. Um, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about kind of the fallout and ramifications of Joe Burrow being out for the year, but uh, I guess no one needs me to say that it is not good for our Jamar Chase bags. This one has Jalen Waddle. It does have Calvin Ridley. I remember he uh, pounded the table and made me draft Calvin Ridley on this one. Uh, it does have Christian Kirk as well, Jordan Addison, Marquise Brown. Yeah, Liam was in a let's just draft uh, six wide receivers early and then stop phase here. Uh, worked out pretty well. Hit on Sam Laporta, Kate Ott, and Durham Smythe. What a rug Durham Smythe has been, man. Out there running routes nonstop. Hasn't scored uh, in this lineup once uh, this year, but Laporta and Kate Otten doing the damn thing here. So yeah, feel feel pretty good about the, uh, the best ball mania portfolio on the whole. To be at this advanced rate, to have these teams in the top, to have some guys that are surging here, um, feel pretty good about it. Um, 
And, you know, it ended up being with how brutal this year has been for injuries. And we talk about like overweight positions in best ball um, where it ultimately just comes down to a risk tolerance thing. I will say for my own personal enjoyment and sweat equity, being way more of a portfolio bro, way more smoothed out with my exposures has made this less of an agonizing year because it's like, all right, I lose, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson goes out for a while while I was running poor on one-on-ones. I don't have a ton of Justin Jefferson or all right, Jamar Chase um, now gets a ding with Joe Burrow out. Well, I was just drafting him at about expectation. I would say probably the biggest bummer for me from that standpoint has been, I was taking Cooper Cup over uh, Tyreek Hill for a chunk of the summer. So I have 19 shares of Cooper Cup versus how many Tyreeks versus only seven shares. And that one really hurt me. And again, it was instead of just drafting it off of ADP, I was doing a little IKB of preferring Cooper Cup to Tyreek Hill. And because of that shift, I would have otherwise probably been close to expectation. I probably would have had like nine or 10 shares of each of these guys. And instead I have a 12 share spread between my Tyree kill and Cooper cup exposures, which obviously does not feel good whatsoever. Um, Cooper cup essentially had two good uh, games this season. You see three of the seven Tyree kill teams advancing versus uh, one of 19 Cooper cup teams. So that uh, definitely stings, but it's also a good reminder that on the whole, you know, I didn't get massively overweight on some of these other players I liked, but could have really, really stung. You know, you see it, Mark Andrews, uh, 14 shares here, slightly uh, above expectation on Mark Andrews ownership, but it's made it a little less painful uh, with all these injuries, but painful nonetheless. Um, let me give the people what they want as we wrap up this show. We'll head over to my guy, Neil's. Uh, app that he spun up here again shout out as always i have links down below for both the uh bbm db explorer from patrick and then neil farley i got links to both of their apps uh great stuff for visualizing and reviewing your best ball mania portfolios especially if you want to get horny looking at violin box plots on a monday morning at 10 57 a.m here Still don't know what this means, but it is provocative and people seem to enjoy it. You can see on the left here, my histogram of places, bunch of teams in third, fourth, fifth. Um, it would be very nice if we could get some of these third, fourth, fifth place teams surging and uh, get this advance rate up. Um, but yeah, I need to uh, to head out to Sirius XM right now to do that. Um, as far as my schedule this week, most stuff is pretty normal despite the Thanksgiving schedule. A few tweaks. Um, we will have, instead of the ship cast, we're not doing one on Thursday night, but we are going to have our Wednesday Thanksgiving extravaganza on the Ship Chasing channel. We're going to book a bunch of guests, have some drinks. We'll build lineups, draft teams, all that good stuff if you want to join us Wednesday night. For that, there will be no lulls this week uh, because that falls on Thanksgiving. But otherwise, everything else should be business as usual as far as uh shows on friday jam will be back this week we'll do off and on the clock with the badge bros and then i think i mentioned this on dfs after dark on friday i have a very fun guest for dfs after dark this week it is coach speak so you guys know him his twitter account has blown up basically built a database reviewing the things coaches have said about players their usage you know their injuries and basically figuring out how reliable are they as narrators and is now putting that out 
as a product that we're able to consume and help us make better, more informed decisions with our fantasy team. So I'm excited to talk to Coach Speak on Saturday night for Best Ball or for DFS After Dark. If you guys are a YouTube member, you'll get access to that show. You become a hand builder and Opto Bro member. You get access to two premium shows a week. DFS After Dark and the Sunday Morning GPP crams, and then you will uh, also get access to the Discord. So a bunch of good stuff over there for YouTube members. Hope you guys had a better week 11 than me, but we're on to Thanksgiving. I'll see you guys later. Peace out.